great brothers of the night, who rideth out upon the hot winds of hell, who dwelleth in the devil's lair, move and appear. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we discuss movies of the past and present. Well, I guess they're all in the past if we've seen them, but, you know, current and old. Um, We are your hosts, I'm Richard, and with me are Will. Hello. And Julian. Hello. And ahead will be spoilers on anything that isn't new, Uh, so please keep that in mind as we go forward and talk about movies such as The Car. But first, thank you to the Moonrays for allowing us to use intro creature features by downloadable versions of their music on Amazon like I did. All right. Me too. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Good to support, right? Um, other than our Mind Eraser feature, which we will be talking about, the car, uh, what have you watched since last time? Will, want to start? Um, what have I seen since last time? Uh, I watched regrettably watched Transformers 3 uh, <laughs> based on Jolien's two thumbs up recommendation oh yeah said it was the best of those film movies wait was, was that two thumbs up your eye sockets till you can't see anymore <laughs> well, there's a yes. model of avant-garde filmmaking in here. <laughs> it really was <laughs> non-linear storytelling well yeah yeah. Oh, like uh, we were talking about it for some reason yeah, I don't remember. You just said it and, uh, negated I, I every said, scene. I said, yeah, like, there's all these scenes in it that negate the previous scene. It's, it's really weird. It was. It was terrible. So that led poor Will down that path of watching it. So, uh, sorry. Did, did you uh, feel like bailing out on it at any point in time? Or were you oh, gonna... there, were most, there were a lot of times I tuned it out. I was drawing at the time, so <laughs> it becomes background noise. I wouldn't know Michael Bay if he walked up and assaulted me with something visually like one of his terrible movies but um i like the rock that was good the rock yeah, it was a good action movie with uh, sean Connery. oh the rock alcatraz have you been to alcatraz yeah me too i could not quit thinking in sean connery's voice the whole time <laughs> it was it's a fun short boat ride out there and you really do realize how there's no way anybody swam from that place they said this, this week that evidently yeah. uh, those guys made it. There's evidence that came up. Yeah, the ones. I don't know like... if it's if it's true yet. Just the story I read this week mm-hmm. was, yeah, they have a photograph of two of the guys from the '70s. So Clint Eastwood made it, and yeah, and the other two guys on, on their inflatable that they built. Anywho, so what? Yeah, what else have you watched? I'm sorry. Um, I think that's it. I haven't watched much this week. Other than the car. Yes, other than the car. Yeah. Julian, what have you watched? Uh, the last horror movie I watched was Embodiment of Evil, which is the uh, last of the Coffin Joe movies. Uh, awesome. Jose Mujica Marines. Is that right? Uh, anyway, yeah, wraps up his trilogy. He began in the 60s after 40 years. Um, yeah, and... You know, you you always get to see things that you've never seen before, and they are horrendous. <laughs> for, people who, for people who don't know who he is, uh, could you say briefly who is Coffin Joe? Uh, so Coffin Joe, uh, these are Brazilian Brazilian films. Easy for you to say. Um, I think yeah. So the first one was sixty four, 
uh, At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul. And, uh, and then that was followed by This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse in 1967. <laughs> and uh, Jay de uh, is this undertaker and uh, who sees himself as beyond good and evil, which makes him evil. Yeah, so um, being above it all, <laughs> ipso facto, you're evil. And he wants to continue his bloodline through finding the perfect woman, and his idea of the perfect woman has to be unafraid of death, uh, which leads to um, horrendous things being done to a whole bunch of people, mostly women, with you know live spiders being dropped on them and stuff, and uh, uh, various things I won't go into here because uh, they're, <laughs> they're pretty uh, horrific and extreme and. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, he did some pretty shocking stuff in the 60s and obviously set out to do some stuff that would still shock people in 2008 uh, when this movie came out. And uh, he definitely succeeded. And, uh, I don't think it's this one's a great film. I, uh, I like the, uh, the ones in the 60s. They're so wild. Yeah. Um, it's been a few years since uh, I watched them at your place. But I'm ready for a yeah. rewatch personally because it's it's pretty fringy for most folks, even folks who do consider themselves horror fans. And I think that um, it's good to kind of get a glimpse of that, if not just jump in and watch yeah, all of definitely it. Definitely not first date movies. No, and those spiders you mentioned that are dumped all over this woman who's she was in a coffin, wasn't she? Yeah, and he does it again in this in this movie. This, <laughs> He, uh, it's kind of his jam, this isn't one it? It's kind of um, a meta movie because it's also about uh, the movie history of this character. So uh, he's haunted by the ghosts of his past victims, and they appear in the the new movie in black and white. Just them, the rest of the image is color. They, wow. Yes. <laughs> and uh, not CG spiders, by the way. This predates CG by quite a bit. Right. Oh, yes. It's so, done for real. It's, it's like we need... Cockroaches, spiders, snakes. We need baskets full of uh, oh, <laughs> spiders. There's a, there's a woman sewn into a pig. Oh, oh, man. And then the other horror movie I watched was a Hong Kong movie called Revenge of the Corpse from 1981. Uh, director Sun Chung and starring Jason Pai Piao and Ku Feng and Lo Li. And uh, yeah, and that, that was that was that was great. It was very stylish and uh, about this inspector who gets uh, like everyone in this town seems to be corrupt or mean in some way, <laughs> apart from a couple of people. And he uh, he eventually uh, gets killed and comes back from the dead. And hijinks ensue. Of course, hijinks. Um, so that's pretty much what you've seen since last time. Yeah, that's the two horror movies. Oh, cool. Um, any non-horror movies that sneaked in? Uh, uh, TCM's been showing the Decline of Western Civilization trilogy. So <laughs> the, I've seen the first two of those so far. The second one was The Metal Years. Yeah, have you seen those? I've seen The Punk Years yeah. and The Metal Years. I mm -hmm. don't know what the third one is. No, I've not I'd, seen that one yet. I had I'm great trouble finding The, the Punk one. Years. Still haven't seen it. No? That's, I, it's yeah, pretty it's like good. Black Flag. And... Yeah. It's not as, uh, I don't know sad funny yes <laughs> that's the second one yeah, the, the, the second, second one's quite 
it has quite a lot of pathos in it. Yeah. If yeah, watching, you laugh at a lot of people's misery. <laughs> like Chris Holmes floating around in his swimming oh. pool with his mum nearby, and he's man. chugging vodka. Yeah, oh, really, man. It's really sad. Heartbreaking. It's a, yeah, it's a tough watch. I just remember Ozzy Osbourne pouring orange juice, and it just keeps pouring out of the glass. <laughs> he just keeps pouring while he's talking. <laughs> it's all over the counter. <laughs> Things didn't get much better for him for quite a while, but then he had a, a moment of clarity, and I think he might have gone back to excessive orange juice pouring. Possibly. Mostly mixed with vodka down his throat. <clears throat> so, since um, since last time, I'm sorry, was there, uh, besides that, the um, any other ones? Um, no. No? Okay. Well, then mine... Uh, were <laughs> two sides of the same coin known as movie making. Dead of the Night, N-I-T-E, Dead of the Night, 20, 2013 movie starring Tony Todd, which better known to most listeners as The Candyman. Mm-hmm. That's oh, right, okay. The Candyman. I dare not say it a third time, but Tony <laughs> Todd. Um, he was uh, Tony Todding it up pretty good. I will say one thing about him. If I had a voice like Tony Todd, I would just be so pleased because mm-hmm. like most people don't like the sound of their own voice when they hear it recorded. If I sounded like Tony Todd, I would just be like, do you have any commercials I could do? <laughs> you know? Do you think he hates the sound of his voice? He probably does. I think everybody does. Well, maybe <laughs> in his head, it sounds really high pitched. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. People had to talk him into doing acting. And that one is a found footage, um, which you now have to approach with some ingenuity because people are so over it, mm-hmm. yet they still keep plopping down their 10 and $12 for paranormal blah, 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 the blah, blah, blah. But, you know. Paranormal blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they might as well name them that. <laughs> well, I've watched all of those. I quite enjoyed, uh, was it the fifth one where the, in L.A.? Uh and they're running around the streets. There's just so much shaky cam in that. I couldn't watch the last half of it. I was just ill. But, you know, there's, there's some good scary bits. You know, I, I did not feel the least bit scared by the two or three that I watched. So I kind of felt like I should not invest or waste the time. So I, I bailed out on it. But well, Yeah, maybe we should look at some of those. Some yeah. Things, I've seen none of them. <laughs> Lucky. The, the things I'd watch twice because, like, uh, my favorite horror movies, uh, they look good. There's some, it's some production design to them, and those kinds of movies, they're just you know, pointing <laughs> the camera any which way, and you're not worried about how it looks so much. Well, this um, this Tony Todd joint. Uh, Dead of the Night, spelled again N I T E. If you want to catch that one, uh, I got it on demand on Comcast for free, which I think means that it already exists on one of the channels that you're paying for. So it's not really free, but I'm already paying for it, so I might as well watch some Tony Todd. Uh, it takes place in England. He's an American who um, has uh, his name is Rubert, and uh, I guess there's some implication. Maybe he's from New Orleans, and maybe he's a voodoo guy. I don't know. But he um, is the caretaker of this spooky old place that these paranormal um, investigators want to do a show. And they have all these cameras installed. 
And that's where the footage comes from when the police are trying to piece it back together. And I'm not going to ruin the ending because there will be some gluttons for punishment who want to go and watch this. <laughs> it's totally worth watching if you just enjoy Tony Todd. But the parts he's not in. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. So it's set in England. Stars Tony Todd. Check it out. Why not? The other one, and this is definitely, like I said, the opposite of that. An American Werewolf in London, uh, the 1981 classic directed by John Landis, starring David Naughton. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce Jenny's last name. Agatur? Agatur. Agatur. Okay, Jenny Agatur. Um, and uh, this won the Oscar for um, uh, special effects makeup, uh, which was done by Rick Baker. Mm-hmm. So this won an Academy Award. Um, but the story and the acting in itself... Um, Aside from the makeup, is very interesting. It's well done. It's a good watch. It holds up. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's always worth I've a seen rewatch. It numerous times. Yeah. <clears throat> I've not seen the sequel though. No. Oh, I have. American Werewolf <laughs> in Paris. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Maybe that's another one we should do for the sequel feature. If you if you want to see the, the um, attractive uh, co-star, she is, and I can't think of her name. I don't. In the- in the sequel yeah she's in killing zoe okay which is a great movie mm-hmm. with eric stoltz who's a safe cracker yeah that's not that, that but one, i don't remember who that is that's a lot of fun i can't think of her name i feel like an idiot um so this movie of course i had sat and enjoyed the whole thing um beginning to end but it brought to mind some questions that our listeners might enjoy hearing the answers to <laughs> jolian's totally set up here and he he's so been on the expert in all things england yes from okay from one border of the country to the hey, other. You could make it up. We won't know. Yeah, we won't know. I won't go check. <laughs> Our fact-checking department is on hiatus. Okay, far away. We only have gravity six hours a day in England. That's <laughs> <laughs> the time we cling to things. <laughs> Everyone only gets one spoon, and that's yes. your spoon for life. Yes, we're all given runs of all spoons. Yes. Um, do. First of all... What the hell is a moor? Moor, like um, yeah, it, like Dartmoor and Exmoor, you know, where uh, Hound of the Baskervilles is. It's right. Like a, kind of a bleak uh, p- bit of landscape. Is it swampy? Is it a prairie? Candy, yeah. yeah. Okay. Are they usually swampy? Are they? If you walk through without your waders, will your ankles get wet? You yeah, you can definitely drown in some of those oh, places. It's a drowning hazard. <laughs> so that that. Kind of answers my second question. Are they really that dangerous? Because there seems to be a lot of uh, uh, concern about, oh, it was out in the moors. I think moors. it's mostly the big dog attacks that okay. <laughs> make moors dangerous. Yes. Yeah, you should go back to the slaughtered land, really. So, yeah, yeah. anything with... Yeah, and you get lost in those places at night. And, yeah, you could okay. end up dead in a ditch. Right, okay. So, freezing to if any of our listeners do end up uh, traveling to England, just... Stay the hell off the moors already, okay? Very beautiful, you know, by day. Oh, so they're fine <laughs> you by day. You've got to know where you're going. And, no, uh, the big dogs don't come out in the day. Okay. They're not that big on road signs either. Oh. At least yeah. Dartmoor isn't. Right. So so with between the fog, the fanged beasts, and the drowning hazards, just mm-hmm. stick to the daytime. Bring some different lenses for your camera. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. That answers that. I, I really just had to finally ask because... Ever since the 1941 Wolfman, uh, which I think there's some caution about the Moors. Yes, that's it in Wales. Okay. So that, um, another place to be careful. 
Now, the other question is, um, you've probably seen up close the um, the police, they call the bobbies, mm-hmm. guys with the hats, uh, typically, at least in the past, didn't carry guns. Um, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, well-trained and probably fairly tough guys. Um, if an American runs up to a bobby and proclaims, I killed those people last night. Uh, he's likely to want to arrest you right away, isn't he? Uh, if it's in a really jumpy city like London, then right. they definitely want to know what's going on. As you might guess, this is not hypothetical. This is a scene from American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Because David, the main character, is quite sure when he wakes up uh, naked amongst the wolves in uh, the zoo that he's pretty sure he did it. He's pretty mm-hmm. sure that his dead friend told him correctly that he is the werewolf. And uh, so he tries to get arrested to, to be safely in a cage next time he's going to transform. So, uh, so suppose that doesn't work. What if you told that Bobby, I want you to arrest me, asshole. <laughs> Is that going to move him maybe closer to the handcuffs? Uh, <laughs> you might well have seen the movie and uh, kid along with you. But How about Queen Elizabeth is a man? You might get some, someone who's had a bad day and then you'd be in trouble. Mm-hmm. How about Winston Churchill's full of shit or Shakespeare's French? Well, then you're threatening the, you know, the whole way of life and uh, be it's, dragged into a dark cell. So if an Englishman said this, that would be treason, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Okay. So yeah, now... It's a hanging offense. It's off to Newgate. Yep. But this particular Bobby, and, you know, this is like movie punks, you know, they're not like real life punks and, and like, uh, like movie, um, gangbangers aren't like real life gangbangers. I think this, this movie Bobby is like, uh, the line he says is stop or I shall arrest you, which, um, David, uh, replies, that's what I want you to do, you moron. Mm -hmm. And then of course, uh, the girlfriend explains it away and the Bobby says about your business, both of you. So I'm going to pretend that none of that ever really happened next time I'm visiting England and uh, need to be safely in a cage for my transformation. I'll just go up and stomp on his toe or say any of those things. No, don't stomp on their toes. They're not all bad. (laughs) Well, he's not going to shoot me, right? He doesn't have a gun. They can definitely call people who can shoot you. Oh, that's yes. probably true. Uh, especially these days, yeah. And I've seen American tourists who've like uh, put their bags down and walked away five feet to use a phone or something, and then you know, policemen's jumped on them and said, and "Is this your bag?" And, yeah. <laughs> no, I hardly know her. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that that really uh, that little side uh, note there about moors and about. Um, police safety especially in modern day england that aside it's a great movie watch it again Mm -hmm. if you haven't watched it lately it holds up so remarkably well that's a great movie um so that being said onto our feature mind eraser which we'll say again is uh some movie or another that has been erased from your memory. You can remember almost nothing about it. You remember watching it, but nothing about the plot. <laughs> right. And, and I lent my one copy to uh, Richard and Will, so I've not seen it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Yet it was in your house. Yeah. Um, so, so Mind Eraser, we're talking about the car, 1977. Um, not made for TV, which I suspected it was, but mm-hmm. a 1977 film by... Um, directed by Elliot Silverstein, Silverstein starring James Brolin, Kathleen Lloyd, 
John Marley and Ronnie Cox. Um, so, um, what did you all think of, uh, well, you, Julian, haven't rewatched it as recently as we have, but Will, what did you think of the rewatch? Oh, wow. The car. Uh, first thing, the credits went on forever, showing lots of people you didn't care about. <laughs> well, you didn't uh, need to care about them for long, did you? No. Um, this movie did have a sort of made-for-TV feel. Um, part of that, I think, was the sort of tacked-on domestic violence story and the alcoholism of Ronnie Cox, both of which felt like a very special episode of The Car. <laughs> the Car, the after-school special. I know I'd seen this at some point. Uh, we put it on, and, and my wife and I realized we'd seen it on a awful TV channel um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, probably. Though we didn't finish watching it, I have no idea why. <laughs> well, the um, the intro music, did you notice it sounded kind of like The Shining? Well, that's uh, that theme is uh, Dies Irae, which mm-hmm. is like a, a 13th century hymn. Uh, no one's sure who actually wrote it, but um, that turns up in loads of movies. Yeah, so it's in The, the Shining, Clockwork Orange. Oh, it was in The Shining? Uh, mm-hmm. No wonder it sounded so much like it. Uh, Return of Dracula, Screaming Skull. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> um, it's famously used by uh, Hector Berlioz in the Symphonie Fantastique. Uh, it's used in Jason and the Argonauts, Bernard Humain. Um, it was in Compulsion, and it was in The Rock. Uh, and it was in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and I think it was in Death Note as well. Wow. Yeah, it, uh, and it's been, it's been used in many, many classical pieces quoted that makes so much more sense now so there's no royalties on that right which (laughs) because it sounds so awesome and there's no royalty problems uh, by leonard rosenman the score for the car what's interesting is you have this this great music and there's these what looks like a still shot of these plateaus and they're filtered in uh, blue and it, it gives you the feeling that maybe it's evening we don't know when it when it comes into color and the dust trail is going and we hear these bicyclists <laughs> with with their short shorts riding their bikes through this canyon area, um, we get the POV of the car and it comes into this red filter, uh, which is kind of the stylistic choice through the whole movie. Okay. And uh, car vision. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's the car cam. And uh, what I noticed was kind of interesting was it's only a year or two years after the Jaws came out. Mm-hmm. But there's this real Jaws-esque orchestral strikes that happen when the bikes are in view, like this thing is, you know, sharking up on them, going to do some damage. And then this this crazy honking happens. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have to drop oh, that in. Oh, it sounds like a, like a huge truck horn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like a train and a, and a truck had a baby and it was the car. It's so, kind of like dual as well. Yeah, yeah, dual. Um, we can't even get started on Killdozer because that's really been erased from my mind. Well, Killdozer, so uh, that's like, that was a TV movie in 74. Mm-hmm. An ABC television movie. Right, and that's based on a story by uh, Theodore Sturgeon, which came out in 1944 or 5. What? Uh, and it's about, um, uh, in prehistoric times, there was a race of 
pure energy and they could uh, they they went to war with each other using machines so sentient machines so it's kind of a bit transformers <laughs> uh, but um uh, so they there's they're putting in an airfield on an island off of Africa I think and uh, they unearth this temple and they, they this energy spirit comes out and takes over the bulldozer and um yeah so that's that's where the tv movie was based from that's amazing i didn't know that at all well, the only thing i can remember about killdozer is a spoiler and it's how it ends so i'm not even going to say anything about that but we have um back to the what's happening in the, to kind of kick off the carnage in this movie we hear the honking and the uh the car puts one of the bicyclists into the wall and uh, basically wheel pushes him until he goes awesomely off this bridge. I mean, it's quite the drop. And yeah. Looked a lot better than um, Bride of Frankenstein and, you know, the, the windmill. <laughs> so that was a person. good stunt person. Yeah, yeah, they actually jumped off that bridge. <laughs> Someone's uh, got to do it. Wait, that's the thing you've got to love about these 70s car movies with those car chases and things they were actually having to do it you know you yeah fake those stunts they had nothing to lean on but you mm. know gravity <laughs> yeah so i really you know i appreciate them more the car picks off the first couple of victims we kind of cut to this uh, hungover guy we're not it's really most sure horrifying scene in the movie <laughs> james brolin's bedhead james brolin and his girlfriend what's her face what's her face uh his Chuck man. Nor- man, his Chuck Norris mustache and hair, amazing. I, yeah, their yeah. their kissy face, play wrestling, just whew, it was yeah. hard to get through. That was probably the worst part of the film. <laughs> and so you kind of you kind of gather the way they introduce this character. He's got to be like the the hero, the protagonist. The he's the he has chief a mustache. Brody of the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is Chief Brody exactly. <laughs> and his mustache rides shotgun with him. Uh, the two daughters, who it's not really clear, like, uh, who are they? Are they his kids? Are they her kids? Are they kids? They're his kids. Mm-hmm. So his name's Wade Parent, and yeah. he is a parent, apparently. And he uh, likes waiting. <laughs> that's right. Um, interesting thing about this, um, the two girls, um, they are actually sisters in real life. That's not interesting. <laughs> well, it gets interesting, let me tell you, because they are Kim Richards and Kyle Richards, who play Lynn and Debbie Parent. Kyle Richards went on to play Lindsay Wallace in Halloween. So really? that happened. So that's marginally interesting, isn't it, Will? Mm, very marginally. Yeah, okay. So, um, and, and James Brolin was in the Amityville Horror. Exactly. Oh, yes, he was. Which I recently rewatched as well. And uh, I'd say there's some better writing on Amityville Horror. Uh, yeah, I guess you could... Than the car? Well, it's not It's not easy to beat the car. <clears throat> as we find out um, when the um, French playing... French horn playing uh, hitchhiker who's annoying some local residents of Santi Inez, uh, comes in, comes in uh, contact with the car. Uh, yeah, he was pretty annoying. <laughs> you, you started rooting for him at the first, and then the more he talked, the less I was rooting for him. Is he the guy with a white afro? Yeah. 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 
think so. Yeah, he had an afro. He kind of looked like one of those sensitive 1970s singers from, okay. from one of the bands you didn't like. So you're, you're kind of rooting for the car to... Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah so he, he gets into some, in, some sort of a disagreement with some people who live right nearby. Uh, and there's a big uh, truck in the background that says explosives on it, which is Chekhov's <laughs> explosives. Say so I knew immediately that was going to come back and play at some point. <laughs> well, that's good screenwriting. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to foreshadow. Yeah, so you start by making a guy really annoying, and then you park a truck full of explosives nearby. Well, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah. So but, he gets run over. Yeah, the car does a number on him. Numerous times. The cops come out. The sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time following a lot of the dialogue in this film because I didn't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you sure? So where is it set? Is it? It's, it's in Utah. Utah. Yes. Um, they mention Ogden at some point, so okay. you can pin it to Utah. Um, yeah, it seemed like it was a lot of people talking over each other, and uh, I <laughs> realized I don't I don't know what these people have been talking about for the last couple minutes. <laughs> Just noises <laughs> at this point. Well, did you notice that the hitchhiker? Um... When, when the car, he was trying to hitch a ride after being um, yelled at by the abusive man uh, who was just awful, drunk, abusive. Um, so so the, the, the white Afro hitchhiker, French horn playing guy gets passed up by the car, doesn't, doesn't catch a ride, flips off the car, gives yeah. him the finger. Mm. Now... It seems like this is this is the breaking point for the car. If, if this is Satan driving a car, it's like there's some ego involved, right? It's like I built this awesome car. I'm cruising around. You do not flip me off. Straight to road rage. And yeah. That, and that's where he gets run over. Lots of dust. Some screaming. Um, now, at some point in time, uh, the... Uh, Safety first dad, uh, our, our sheriff. 70s I, dad, as I called him. Yes. Sheriff Wade Parent, who is a parent, some, at some point in time gets a call and he's loading up his two daughters on a motorcycle. So he's really the safety first dad here. I thought they were going at, that he was going to take the kids out to the crime scene. <laughs> and then it like, he's a come on. Yeah. <laughs> you got to start him young, right? Well, he doesn't put on his helmet and the daughters, uh, take exception to that. And, uh, he offers to, uh, I'll wear it twice tomorrow. So that's his solution. Yeah. That sounds like seventies kind of parent. Yeah. I remember stuff like riding in the back of a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We never wore a seat belt. <laughs> yeah. What were those? I mean, some of the vehicles we had didn't even have them. I yeah. mean, from, from the original build of the, of the vehicles. So dirt bike sheriff arrives without the girls on the murder scene. Uh, they've got no really good eyewitness info, but, uh, but his boss lets him know we got a crazy on our hands. So they're pretty sure right away. It's just a crazy person driving a pretty bitchin' looking car. Well, I don't think you'd jump to the assumption that it was a supernatural <laughs> demon car. I don't know. <laughs> I think I might, but, uh, when, uh, when there's eight, Eight cops kind of doing nothing at the station later on. The chief proclaims, don't like it. Don't like it at all. Um, I noticed right after this little vignette that 
um, Wade Parent, uh, James Brolin's character, drives a cop car that is a Plymouth Fury. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not a 57. No, no. It's like a 74 or something, but oh, it's, okay. it's still a Plymouth Fury. So we got the Christine tie-in. Christine didn't come out until 83. I don't know when it was written, but... Right. It was written probably before this. I'm not sure, though. But I thought that was kind of an interesting little... Not an Easter egg at all, just coincidence. But um, they're investigating these uh, these bicycle deaths, and they know about the French horn death. <clears throat> now, the, the chief calls this little on-site meeting and says, seal the area. Now, I noticed in the background there's this terrific topographical map in the sheriff's office. This, yeah. <laughs> what was that thing, like eight feet? I, I kept joking that it was just a decoration and that he shouldn't be sticking those little flags all over it. You know? <laughs> um, that but, it wasn't to scale or anything. It's <laughs> no, it was completely useless. Not an official law enforcement tool. And it didn't really help them seal anything looking at their fantastic map. No. Because the car is doing what it pleases. Yeah. So, didn't seem like you could hold the car back anyway. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna let's let the dog in. The dog's the dog wants to be part of the podcast. <laughs> there she is. We'll see if we can mic her up. She was barking in Morse code. Doing the car horn. There you go. She yes, evidently the horn is Morse code for X. Yeah, the letter X. I mean, I don't know why that would be, but apparently that's the case. Yes, I'm not gonna cut any of this. No, 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 no. This isn't this isn't worth cutting. Okay. <laughs> no. Leela's not gonna make any more noise. No. So you can close the door. I'm gonna run this power sander out here. <laughs> I have a power sander. And it's right on the other side of that oh, door. Good. So are you gonna talk about what the car is? Like the make or Yeah, later? now that that is an interesting thing. Um early seventies Lincoln, I it's think. It's a nineteen seventy one Lincoln Continental Mark Three, apparently. Oh, I, yes. okay. I, I didn't recognize it. It says it's a Lincoln on the front. In one scene, you can see on the grill Lincoln okay. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's customized. I think by... it disappears later, though. I don't remember seeing the Lincoln. I because I wondered when I first saw it. Like, did Lincoln allow them to put this oh, okay. their killer car in here? You mean and Abraham I Lincoln? I did. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I had to look it up, and it's uh, it's customized by George Barris. Mm-hmm. Do you Who, know him? Though? Yes, I do. You, do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so the, he made, uh, well, supervised the making of four cars. So there's like the hero car, and then the three got trashed in the course of all the stunts. Stunt, yeah, stunt cars. And then one's one's still in Arizona, apparently. Well, right off right off the top of my head, I can think of uh, three very famous Barris cars, which include the 1966 Batmobile, and then the um, the Dragula car from mm-hmm. the Munsters, and then the Munsters coach. And pretty much any other crazy-looking car you saw in a television show or movie from the '60s through the probably Manics. '80s, Manics, yeah. <laughs> the famous Mannix mobile. Um, he did. Uh, he customized uh, one of the police cars in North by Northwest. Awesome. That's one of his first film. Pretty cars. Cool. Pretty cool stuff that he came uh, up with. The time machine. Oh. Nineteen sixty. He worked on that. I don't think he did the... He didn't do the actual machine. But some of those custom cars you see in the future scenes. 
Hmm. Uh, his. Okay, so where were we? Topographical map. Oh, the, the sheriffs were going to go drinking next? Yeah. Okay. So, now, this this brings in the whole thing with the stunt cars. Um, now, the, uh, the chief wants to, uh, you know, go across the street. Now, I noticed right here, Main Street looked like a set. I mean, it just didn't look real to me, like it actually existed. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. Uh, they did use a real town in some of the scenes, at least in the day. I don't know about that shot at night. It could have been a set. Yeah. Well, the, the car is going to, it's going to kill um, the drunk abusive guy. And who's he played by? Uh, R.G. Armstrong. That's probably the one. Okay. I think I have a cast list here somewhere. Let's see. Oh, yes, I do. Um, yeah, R.G. Armstrong is like, he often plays cranky kind of preacher types. Mm. Yeah, he's Amos. A bunch of Peck and Paw movies. And he was in every TV Western there ever was. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, him and Ronnie Cox were both in um, The Beast Within. And Ronnie Cox was in Deliverance. Yes. Which is a whole other kind of horror movie. <laughs> and Robocop. I was going to say he was in Robocop. That's and, where I know uh, him from. Deep Blue Sea. That's kind of... And R.G. Armstrong had been in uh, Race with the Devil, so another road horror <laughs> movie. Ah. Involving devils and uh, racing. He was in the first Children in the Corn. Uh, he was in Predator and Evil Speak. We got some We got some stuff to go back and rewatch. So the... Um, so the car was going to was gonna hit Amos, we have his name here now, and uh, swerves around, instead of hitting the abuser, awful guy, it hits the police chief, kills him. Now, we've got him out of the picture, that kind of puts James Brolin's character in charge. I like how they just promoted James Brolin directly to sheriff. I don't <laughs> think it works that way, since sheriffs are elected. <laughs> right. I imagine he'd be... Maybe acting sheriff, but... <laughs> now you're king of the cops. Yeah. Well, I, I, my knowledge of sheriffs is from westerns, and they just pin the badge on any sucker who came <coughs> to town and was willing to get shot. And... Well, typically sheriffs uh, police the county. Okay. Um, and, they, and they maybe... the sheriff himself is elected. Deputies are just the officers below him, so... I believe James Brolin would have just been a deputy and stayed a deputy. He may have been made act, acting sheriff, but don't quote me on any of that. <laughs> You're from New Mexico, aren't you? Yes. yes. You understand uh, these things. I understand sheriffs, yes, and the Ten Star and all that. Do you have moors in New Mexico? No, <laughs> we don't. Okay. How about prairies? Uh, sort of. You probably worry more about the arroyos than the, than anything else just because of flash flood. That mm. was always the the big warning to kids, uh, especially in Albuquerque, uh, was warning about the ditch witch, which is don't go into <laughs> drainage. Uh, Sci-fi channel original. Ditches or tunnels, you know, because you might get, you get drowned. <laughs> well, fun fact, the... Um... The piece of equipment they use for digging ditches uh, rather than doing it by hand is actually called a ditch witch. Mm-hmm. Oh. So there's that. <laughs> uh, the eyewitness say, states that there was no driver inside the car. Through the tint, I don't know how they could tell. Yeah. But, it, but at this point, they can sort of say, well, it's a driverless car, and it's so evil-looking. Like, how could they not think something's up, right? But never mind all that. Marching band rehearsals. 
this is the part that reminded me of Jaws. <laughs> I is, kept is thinking. This the symmetry? Yeah, the the band rehearsal, the parade rehearsal. It's like we can't shut down the town. <laughs> no. It's the Fourth of July. It's the biggest weekend of the year. Um, it was probably the only exciting moment in this movie as well when they're running for the graveyard, uh, and the car's chasing them. The, the doesn't the, the girlfriend? She's in charge or something. She has. She's, she's in like, charge of the band. Yes, okay. Lauren. Her she's name being, is Lauren. Okay. Yeah. She's like throwing abuse at the car. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. She does, which. They say upsets the car, but it seemed to be pretty upset anyway. <laughs> I don't know that the bicyclist did anything other than yeah. foolishly bicycling in the middle of the road. Well, what about the French horn player, the hitchhiker? He did flip the car off. Maybe this is what really got it going. I mean, maybe maybe the bicyclists were just bad, you know, bad maybe. luck. Maybe the cars like a lot of drivers here in Colorado and they just run people down. <laughs> that is a problem here for sure. So, so Lauren's taunting the car, and I don't know, she's, I think, insulting the driver's manhood or whatever. And uh, it, it destroys the, uh, the gateway into the uh, cemetery. But it can't go into the cemetery. No. Which I, they notice later, or they figure it out later, but you would have thought they'd at least... It's consecrated ground. Yeah, catch right? on a little quicker. Yeah. Like there's some religious implications here? Yeah. So, Although, again, I guess you don't jump to the assumption that it's a demon car. <laughs> I'd have been onto that right away, personally. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just the kind of movies I watch. That's where it goes for me straight away. And why didn't the car have a license plate? Or at least take place on Route 666? <laughs> it was why a... didn't they fit that in there somewhere? There, you know, exactly. <laughs> just asking for it. it could have been so easy on Route 666. These things, yeah, these things write themselves. I don't know why the writers couldn't pick up on that I either. I also read that they originally wanted to call this Wheels. Wheels? Oh, as, is, as opposed to Jaws. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, come uh, on. The car sounds a lot better, even though it's not a great title. <laughs> it's not. Well, it it pretty much tells you what you Wheels. need to know. Yeah, if we look at the, if we look at the box where here it is, um, and we mentioned this last episode, the tagline is "What evil drives," and on the back, if we flip it over, which I didn't do last week, um, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no way to stop the car. It also says digitally remastered, but I don't think that was from the original poster. And also pays no attention to bike lanes. No, it has no regard. For bike lanes or the safety of hitchhikers. Um, Just when you thought it was safe to play in the street again. <laughs> Wheels! <laughs> you know, <laughs> the thing where I think the car is reasonable, it hates marching bands that are... He's <laughs> got it in for French horns. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. Yeah, it's like, no, this is what a horn sounds like. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. It's actually driven by a five-year-old who wants to play that horn. Who got cut from the marching band, which, if you haven't seen the movie, they suck. They, they do not sound good. Uh, great scene when one of the uh, deputies gets knocked off a horse and they just flip the frame upside down. <laughs> oh, that's right. It gives a very surreal feel of him falling. Another deputy is on a horse and it appears that he 
throws himself at the car, which <laughs> does nothing. Just grab it and shake it around. It'll look like he's killing you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there were a man. couple scenes like that. We noticed, well, they know none of the bullets harm the car's windshield or tires or anything. They try to shoot the tires and stop the car and it doesn't work. So this thing is impervious to bullets entirely. Now, at this point, should they get the hint that it's just pure evil? Hmm, probably. All right. So Wade gets knocked out and the car escapes. He notices... That was, yeah, the car knocks him in the stomach, (laughs) which sent him to the hospital. I don't know why the car didn't run him over. It ran everyone else over. It just... How does it just knock him in the stomach? He walks up to the car, (laughs) and the window comes down just a little bit, and he Uh thinks he's going to see in, and then the door pops open, and he kind of leans around to to look in around the door, and you can see he has his hand on the door, and he pulls it into his stomach, the actor does, but it's supposed to look like the car flips its door open, and it knocks him in the stomach, and he falls down, and the next scene, he's waking up in the hospital. Hmm. yeah. Not terribly believable. No, it's movie logic for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when do we get to the, after that, the... Uh... Well, Lauren's scene is next. Ah, oh, this is the best part of the film. She's on her way um, home to pick up her things, and the car <laughs> jumps through her house. Yes, it oh, appeared yeah. that her house was in the middle of the highway. <laughs> right. Well, there's some houses around here that keep getting drunk it's running into them <laughs> yeah there's one that's two doors down from here that yeah people at the bar on the corner keep running into this poor woman's front room and fence five times her that house is my aunt's house you know she should we should just what we should do we should leave a copy of the car <laughs> <laughs> on her doorstep <coughs> that's just uh, Cruel we'll, prank. We'll just do it on Halloween. We'll dig. We'll ding dong ditch and leave a copy of the car. The car. The car. What evil drives? Wheels. <laughs> so, that doesn't that sound like a so nickname? You're, you're telling me about this movie where people are seeing this car that can't be, you know, shot up or anything, and you're saying, well, wouldn't you assume it was driven by Satan? Of course. And then there's this house two doors down. That's been hit five times. And you're saying, oh, it's just drunks. I didn't say the drunks weren't Satan. (laughs) It's a a very heavily satanic bar that's up on the corner. Okay. Oh, okay. So so the the car does come leaping through her window, which is... Which had no glass. It was a huge (laughs) picture window with no glass. Yeah, I remember that bit. That's quite surprising because she's, you know. Yeah, yeah, she keeps saying, I hear the engine, but she never turns to look down the road, even though her house sits right in the middle of the highway. (laughs) I can remember this because the way it's edited, uh, I wish it had been done in fewer shots. So you you get the idea of the cars coming straight out the window and you see it come come through. But the way it's edited, it kind of takes her out of the uh, scene. You're not. uh, Yeah. I know, I know what you mean. There were there were a couple edits in here that were, they seem to hang on a scene way way past the time it needs to establish whatever it was establishing. Um, shows a scene of I think the wreckage of Lawrence House, 
there's nothing there to really watch. Right. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Well, <clears throat> Andy Warhol made an entire movie that was just a camera pointed at the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. So maybe that came out before this and they thought, well, you know, we could use a little of that here. Yes, I can imagine <laughs> that. That inspired many filmmakers. <laughs> I'm sure it did. She was speaking to Wade over the phone when this happened, right? So um, Luke puts forward to a grief-stricken and maddened Wade that the theory that this thing was acting in revenge for the insults that she hurled when the, the, the previous marching band graveyard carnage scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade concocts his plan to stop the car. Now, Chekhov's truck full of explosives comes into play here soon. Yep, they let Amos out. <laughs> they let Amos out of the jail. Uh, <clears throat> much like Otis from... <laughs> from Mayberry. From Mayberry. Uh... And then Wade goes home, and for some reason, the car is in his garage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it let itself in. Yeah. yeah. It opens up the door, and it, goes, and it starts honking and flashing. Yeah. Revving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's in there and uh, revs its engine. Yeah, maybe they could have done something where it was more spectral, so they could have it like fading away and, or something to explain why. Yeah, have it appear. It's not seen elsewhere, and it suddenly appears in a in someone's garage exactly now i have a i have a note here that just as i was thinking the car should try and kill him with carbon monoxide poisoning ha 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 the car starts trying to kill him with carbon monoxide poisoning Mm -hmm. revving and then of course they spoon feed it to the audience by showing the tailpipe with excessive smoke coming out of it and it looks like satan's ready for an oil change i didn't know why he didn't just go back through the side door in the garage that he entered it was open seems simple enough you know um but he kept wanting to go and try to open the garage door right and every time he did the car lurched forward and stopped mm-hmm. him yeah then it would roll back and <clears throat> they they did this little dance i don't know three four times maybe and then finally he hops on his motorcycle and takes off, and the car breaks through the garage. Did he put his helmet on? I don't remember. I don't think he did. I think he did twice, actually. <laughs> A bad continuity edit there. He'll do uh, it twice tomorrow. He, uh, I don't believe that Suzuki motorcycle could go faster than that Lincoln. Maybe not. Week. Yeah, they had these um, massive rocket engines in he, those Lincolns. He, yeah, once that car got going. Yeah. It was pretty unstoppable. You'd be more maneuverable on the motorcycle, but he doesn't use that to his advantage, really. He just rides right in front of the car the whole time. That's the drawback with killer car movies. People have to run in front of it. Yeah, that's... uh, My wife said, you know, cars are inherently scary. That's why they have so many horror movies about them. That No, they're not. They're not (laughs) really that scary. Drivers are. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking, like, just stay in the hospital. Is it going to come up the stairs? <laughs> Is it going to come up the elevator? <laughs> so, I expected it to be in Lauren's house, actually, when she opened the door and came in and flicked the lights on. I mm-hmm. thought it'd be in the living room waiting for <laughs> her. <on> the couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's moved the furniture back. Something like that. So what did, what did you think of this big plan to use TNT to take out the car? Did you think this was going to work when you saw them setting this up? I was I didn't quite follow what exactly they were doing. I mean, I knew they were 
planting bomb or explosives. Uh, Did they really need to dig into the ground and bury them? Yeah. I thought it would come back to something with consecrated ground. Oh, yeah. Bring in some uh, boxes of but I, consecrated dirt. But I'd forgotten dirt. about Chekhov's explosives at this point. Right. <clears throat> so they fool the car into doing this giant, um, this big cliff jump. And uh, there were some there were some notes online that I saw where they used something called a car cannon to launch the car. Yeah, I read that as well. And so it's some sort of a great slingshot or piston or something that just shoots a car, which, ironically, no stunt driver at this point. It was um, probably driverless. Yeah. Just like indicated in the movie, goes over the cliff because they fooled it into doing so, into this impossibly huge TNT trap. I mean, the amount of explosives going on here, they must have used everything that was in that box truck. A lot of that was some pretty bad special effects. <laughs> you don't say. I, I, I don't remember it clearly, but I remember there's like a huge fireball. And yeah, and then the big face comes up. Demon and, thing. Yeah. I don't remember it being bad. So the, there's a there's a couple of shots where the, the explosion was clearly superimposed over the... Okay. The action, so nobody was killed in this massive fireball. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. And and the the takes that these guys are doing, where all the they're, they're recoiling and they're that was straight out of old Star Trek. Oh, totally. The color, the lighting, the sound. They're cowering, rolling around on the ground. It's <gasps> some talk about chewing the scenery. There it is. So this all. Uh, you know, this all kind of wraps up nicely that they've done it. Ha ha, they've outwitted the car or, or Satan driving it and blew the thing up into a big fiery fireball that looked like a roaring demon poorly superimposed over it. Did you notice the closing credits? That the car was driving around a city? It was driving around in, what I believe was LA. LA. Yeah. yeah. So is it, so it was just kind of, testing the waters to see how it works and go from small town to big city? Would you even be able to tell? No. <laughs> In L.A., I mean, the car would be stuck on the 405 all day. And how scary is that? <laughs> well, if it's revving and honking, you know. Might... Yeah, it only runs over one person a day. And, you know, it's... it's still, it's not going to stand out. No. So there we have it, the car. The car. Would you recommend this to a horror fan? Only if you've watched Christine and Killdozer and Duel <laughs> and The Cars That Ate Paris first. Wait, The Cars That Ate Paris? Yes. Yeah. Peter Weir, Australian film. I don't know this one. Yeah, it's it's weird. They use car parts as currency, so they cause a lot of wrecks. Interesting. It's been a hundred years since i've seen it it's not as exciting as it sounds yeah mm. it's from the from the stills where you have like Volkswagen beetles with spikes all over them and things yeah. like that you think oh it's, it's like a road warrior yeah you think it's mad max right uh, but um yeah it's not that exciting hmm. uh, peter weir's done some great films but i don't think that's one of them <clears throat> no that came out before the road warrior or mm, mad yeah. max yeah, yeah, yeah. though I wanted the car to be Herbie the Love Bug. I think that would have been <laughs> better. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like uh, the end of Herbie, um, Keenan Wynn gets chased by all these nightmare cars. Yeah. Beetles with 
hoods bouncing up and down with great teeth in them and things like that. I think that's a big influence on the on these killer car movies that came later. Well, Julian, Perhaps. would would you recommend this to a horror fan or a non-horror yeah. fan? Yeah. I mean, I mean, one thing we we all know about horror movies is you uh, you you really get into uh, stuff that's not so good. Yeah, <laughs> to put it mildly, but um, that so is true. It's an, it's enjoyable. You know, it's you know, exciting stunts, and I like I like the cast. And but if you had to choose between this and Duel. Go with oh, Duel. Duel's definitely the best. Of these. Uh, which was a made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funny how that works. Sometimes yeah. made-for-TV back then, anyway, yeah, worked out nicely. Yeah. Although I believe he thought that was going to be released, is what I read. Okay. That they right. were originally going to do it theatrically, and then they bumped it back to television. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this is unofficial, but um, there was somebody on another podcast who mentioned that they had... They talked to Josh Brolin and said, yeah, you should do a remake and uh-huh. play your dad's part. And he said, I would really like that. He yeah. like apparently was enthused and uh, would do it. but For money. For money. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's what he was enthused about. He, he you wanted... got a part for me? And how much does it pay? <laughs> I want the street cred. <laughs> I could play someone running away from it. Yeah. Well, yeah. For anybody who didn't catch episode one, Jolien ran from Godzilla. <laughs> quite uh, capably in the yeah, yeah, I, he's I, willing I, to run from other things yeah. I, I could uh, train the both of you <laughs> to, yeah. to run away from things I am willing to run from things and then they'd have some for real money. star power in their movie wouldn't they yeah you know if it, depending on what you're running to or running from otherwise I don't run otherwise I'm not a runner um, so so that uh, brings it around to me with the question would I recommend this yes I would I think this is fun watch it's if you take some of the cornball 70s stuff and you know some of the fashions and hairstyles and just kind of enjoy that for what it is uh you're talking about an $84,000 build for this car so it's cool looking needless Mm -hmm. to say the guy who made the freaking batmobile made this it looks cool it looks evil it's cruising around it's you know trying to kill marching bands it's it's everything uh for a relatively short watch i think it's about 90 minutes it's good fun i would recommend it if they remade it they'd make it like two and a half hours long yes you oh, learn yeah. about every story every nut and bolt on that stupid car ah <laughs> sad but true but it looked great in 3d oh yeah so car would be all cg there'd be no actual car involved and they, they would make that demon in the flames at the end actually look good but CG, so therefore bad. Yeah, uh, and they'd spend way more than $84,000 on a computer-generated car. Oh, yeah, it would be terrible, rather than just use an actual car. Now, uh, that brings us around to um next point we were going to talk about. What made you... Because this goes back in time quite a bit, this movie. 1977. It, yeah. So, what made you a horror fan... A horror movie fan originally will um the first one i i watched i remember being very young uh, and watching one of the hammer dracula films mm. and it scared me and uh these two kids that uh <clears throat> we shared a house with uh we all slept in the same room and we 
we had our parents <laughs> scrounge up a crucifix from somewhere and we put it on the headboard. <laughs> we were certain Christopher Lee was going to come get us. Luckily, you hadn't seen The Exorcist yet. <laughs> and when we woke up, yes, very lucky. When we woke up in the morning, the crucifix had fallen behind the headboard, you know, <laughs> behind the bed, freaked us all out. We were maybe between four and six, the three of us. and That's a good early start. Yeah, and then I think the first really scary movie I saw was Alien, which we watched on television, my dad and I, uh, not knowing what it was. Had no idea, hadn't heard about Alien, anything. Opened with the scene where uh, John Hurt stomach explodes at the dinner which is perfect part to open the movie to scared me for weeks oh man but i was always into the you know i enjoyed books uh scary books scary fairy tales scary comics uh yeah i was always sorting you know searching out things that were a little dark um do you remember the first um horror movie you got to see in the theater like Poltergeist, The Shining, anything like that? I think I may have been Poltergeist. And, yeah, you seem uh, about the right age for that. Yeah, I know I saw either House or House 2 <laughs> in the theater. Which arguably are fairly scary, you know, given... I have not seen them in, since I was a kid, but I remember really liking those films yeah. when I was a kid. I should rewatch House. Yeah, see how it holds up. Um... And then I don't think I, I think mostly I watched movies uh, on VHS. Um, I was a huge Freddy Krueger fan, and my cousin and I watched those all the time. We had a marathon week of watching nothing but Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Streets. That's amazing. Uh, I don't remember this, but evidently it traumatized my little cousin who was. Oh. <laughs> she she wrote recently on Facebook that, you know, after uh, uh, Wes Craven died, she wrote something like, oh, you guys, meaning uh, my cousin and Ramon and I, uh, just traumatized her with those films. <laughs> <laughs> she loves horror movies now. She's never been to summer camp again. <laughs> no, no, no summer camp. Nothing like that. Does she sleep? Only with the lights on. Mm. Stay the hell off the moors. Or the road. <laughs> it's all dangerous. Just stay in your room. Unless the car comes through your window. Yeah. Jillian, what, what are your early memories of becoming a horror movie fan? Uh, I don't remember the first one I watched. Uh, I used to like anything. I'd watch anything with uh, the possibility of a flying saucer or a monster turning up in it. So, uh, you know, you'd watch Doctor Who and Star Trek and things. I remember being too scared to watch them. What what was the um, uh, King Kong the first monster movie I remember seeing? Yeah, same here. What what was the the climate like at the time in England as far as what was allowed, what was censored? Because I know you didn't have a lot of television channels, and mm-hmm. uh, there was the whole issue of the what do they call the video nasties? Like, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like what you would not have been able to see that you were sort of aware of. Um, well. Basically, all the Italian horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> were, um, yeah, they had, they had a list. There was there was like forty seven on the main list that were banned outright. Forty seven. Uh, and it was it fluctuated, and and no one was sure was that what should actually be banned or not. <clears throat> and uh, so, 
you know, people who ran video stores were being put in jail and fined for films that they were perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly legal to stock. Right. Um, it, yeah, it was a terrible time. Um, but uh, yeah, and films would be further cut in Britain after showing in America. So yeah, there wasn't that much left of them. So uh, you only got to see the gory bits from looking at Fangoria. <laughs> yeah, you had uh, <laughs> you had giant monsters that were okay, but that was kind of it, right? I yeah, mean, as and, far... and uh, as far as the giant monsters of Japan goes, uh, they very rarely showed up. You know, I'd, I'd see photos and, in odd books and things and treasure them, but it was years before I got to see more than a couple of those. Um, yeah, so and they looked so interesting. But basically, um, I, I liked all those kind of monster scenes in Scooby-Doo and <laughs> Disney films and things like that because uh, the it would suddenly go from normal to something weird and strange and dreamy. Uh, you know, all the lighting would be different, the mm -hmm. angles would be different. You know, there's, there's some weird dark world opening up here and uh, it was very interesting. Um, uh, it was a similar thing with uh, uh, crime TV series and films, uh, especially noir. They had, had their own look and uh, you know, very shadowy nightmare world. And, uh, and, the, and the crimes would always be filmed as set pieces. They'd be the most interesting thing of any given crime TV series. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, I used to like watching them, and then I'd, I'd, I wouldn't bother with the rest of it because it'd just be people in suits talking. Right. And that was when I was very small. I think I think when I was a kid, it was like, oh, these stupid adults are talking some more. So you know, you're playing with yeah, yeah, your yeah. toys and you're drawing and you're doing whatever you're doing. It's like, yeah. oh, good, here comes the monsters. Yeah, it was always that way. Right, but but you see, like those old Disney movies where they'd be some. It was one about a dinosaur in a swamp. I forget what it was called, but mm. uh, you you know you'd, you'd spend most of the movie not seeing anything, and there'd be this like glimpse, but you'd, you'd yeah. hold on for that one bit. Was that a? Uh, I don't it know. Wasn't what that was. It wasn't one about dinosaurs is missing. Was I was going to say else. dinosaurs, but that wasn't a Disney no, film. No, that was the early sixties. Yeah, was this seventies? Uh, yes, eighties. So to this day, yeah. then, would you say that you appreciate it more than ever? That uh, a movie that gets to the point and actually not not showing you the monster right out of the gate, but getting yeah, I to don't mind that. No. Depends what approach you want to take. Right. Like uh, people complain about the last Godzilla film not having much Godzilla in it, but you know that's a perfectly valid way to do a monster movie to me. You know how often do you see Jaws and so on? And he was he was he uh, he referred back to Jaws as his uh, guiding his approach. Right. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of those old monster movies where the it was all build up to the, the reveal and you'd get bit by bit. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed that. As far as as far as the how did you get into it question for me, um, the intro music um, that we play by the Moonrays was the theme to um, the, it was the intro theme to this uh, Saturday evening Saturday night thing that uh, played in Chicago called Creature Features. Mm. They would usually have licensed um, some pretty good stuff, and occasionally you got a stinker in there too, but. That was my earliest exposure to the Universal Studios monsters. And um, 
you know, my folks didn't see any harm in it. So at age four or so, my early memories were like age three or four. And we were watching movies, you know, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, these sort of things. And uh, I do remember, though, um, outside of Creature Features, King Kong being one of my earliest memories of a giant, giant monster in a movie. And, you know, we're talking the 1933 King Kong. Uh, that and Planet of the Apes, mm. uh, although it's not horror, it's, you know, it's monsters of sorts. And uh, I really enjoyed that stuff. And I couldn't tell you why it appealed to me so much, but it did. And for Saturday night to be the night where, you know, the family would sit down uh, and watch these monster movies and just sort of enjoy them. And then there was another uh, another one of these um horror host kind of things. Uh, Sven Gulli, the original Sven Gulli, had a show from the late 60s all through the 70s, and I'm not sure when Son of Sven Gulli took over. I guess I could look that up, but um, just mentioning that off the cuff, that was another one where you would get maybe some of the cheaper licensed stuff. Uh, some of the Hammer films, you know, I would see those as well. And outside of that, I remember a very peculiar thing that we had at the movie theater, not far from where I lived, they were called the bottle cap shows, or at least that's what we called them. You just needed to collect five bottle caps of a certain soda and you would get led into a movie, uh, on like, it was a Saturday afternoon. It was a matinee anyway. And it would be a lot of times a Godzilla movie that we knew nothing about. And, you know, being unfamiliar with anything about it and being six years old or seven years old, whatever, we didn't really understand why the mouth didn't match the dialogue at all. Uh, but they usually did get to the point with the giant monsters pretty quickly. And I think we enjoyed that. So it didn't matter that it was unfamiliar and maybe not as cool as watching Frankenstein destroying stuff. Um, so, or, Will, Will, did they have horror hosts where you were? No. Uh, I don't remember any uh shows like that I remember reading about shows like that mm -hmm. and reading about movies that were always described as you know late night creature feature mm -hmm. fodder um yeah. but we didn't really have anything like that I had I think three channels growing up okay. or four channels um I didn't see a whole lot of horror movies on tv other than alien uh, when I was probably second grade or something Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just see hosts referred to in like Stephen King and Fangoria. Yeah, there's the host now. Uh, <laughs> I'd forgotten about Scooby Doo. That was probably a big. Uh, it's a fairly innocuous influence, yeah, isn't it? Big influence on me. Uh, it's not really going to scare a kid too much. No, it made me skeptical. I believe most of my skepticism comes from Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not ghost or creatures or anything it's a guy with a lamp and uh it, it's a it's a caretaker uh, some, <laughs> some i probably saw paper. Um, abbott and costello meet frankenstein years before i actually saw the original movies i know i saw young frankenstein before i ever saw any of the mm -hmm. others and there's a great story behind that we talked about the machines that ken strickfadden designed for the original frankenstein movie being brought back for young Frankenstein, mm. which is amazing that they worked so well. Um, so one of the funny things that I thought of just now, we were talking about Scooby-Doo 
and I know that I know that this is easily found on YouTube. Um, Speed Racer was like an afternoon thing that okay. we that we could catch uh, after school. Um, there would be stuff for kids to watch, and Speed Racer was on. It was a anime thing from the '60s, from what I could tell. Um, we didn't know it was out of Japan. We just thought, well, that's a really different style of animation. You noticed it because it was so different from anything else mm. you'd see on your Saturday morning cartoons. Um, there's one episode where Speed Racer, who is this benevolent character, and he's so kind and thoughtful and heroic, and he's got this great girlfriend named Trixie. There's this one where Trixie's having a dream, and Speed and his car, the Mach 5, are in this cave or something, and she comes running up, yelling his name, and he turns around and he's got this demon face, and he's cackling, and that scared the hell out of me. I was probably four when I saw that. I ran screaming from the room. I didn't. I didn't see it coming. Took me totally by surprise. That's good. Which is not nearly as bad as my younger brother's story, which would be, my dad didn't know that horror movies had turned into what they had turned into. He thought they were like the Wolfman and stuff. Took the whole family to see The Shining when my little brother was like three. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was... uh, No, he would have... Let's think about this. Uh, uh, He would have been maybe five or six. Because in this country, you can just take a kid into any... Unless it's NC-17, which was a new rating that came after The Shining, but... Yeah, if if the parents were present, they could take a kid mm. into The Shining. So not his fault that he didn't know what things had turned into. He hadn't seen all this stuff that had been around the last 10, 15 years up to that point in 1980. But we all went together. <laughs> the promos looked spooky. Yeah, that's going to be a good spooky movie. No, that's going to be a traumatizing movie. Man, does your brother love horror films? He likes some, yeah. I mean, it. It. I can tell you stories about how how afraid he was after that movie. But uh, no, don't don't show your kids Cannibal Holocaust. No, <laughs> Actually, I, you 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 wanted you're going to ask about uh, movies you'd recommend to a non horror fan. Yeah, that, that's that, the, that was my first thought. Is like. Do not start with cannibal holocaust. Don't exactly push, what I thought. Don't of. push don't them start into start with spit on my grave <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or spit on your grave. Just yeah. So that brings us around to a feature we were going to call Listorama. Top five horror movies you'd recommend to a non-horror fan who wishes to get into the genre, and then we'll talk about maybe a few <laughs> a few to avoid. So how old is this horror fan? Uh, let's or, let's say that they're of fan. of legal drinking age or or wait let's just say they've graduated high school let's say they're 18 years old they're old enough to go rent or buy any of the movies you might recommend and then a pack of smokes i would recommend suspiria i think that's a fantastic film Mm -hmm. it looks beautiful doesn't it makes no sense which is great (laughs) for anyone who hasn't seen it the color design argento gives that film is just amazing inferno is Another one that makes no sense, but yeah, well, when I used to do uh, Halloween all-nighters, and we we put on something fairly innocuous to get people started, and then uh, once everyone was settled in, we'd stick on Suspiria, cause it's good and loud, and and uh, I worried about it the first time because uh, it, it you know it takes place at the girls' 
ballet school, so mm-hmm. most of the stuff happening is to women. And um, so I was worried what the uh, women present would think of it, but they were the ones who really loved it. Oh, my, my wife, you were the one who introduced us to mm-hmm. Suspiria at a Halloween party. Yeah. Um, she then went and got... She went through five or six Argento films after that. She's seen way more than I have. Um, she's a huge Argento fan now, and it's Suspiria. It's... Mm-hmm. Have you watched Argento's Dracula? Uh, no, I've not. Um, I've Jolien, not. G- give us your opinion on this one, because I hear a lot of people I, groan. I've not watched it, and I've, I don't feel the need to watch it. If, it. if it's easy to see, if, if someone says... Here, I've got a copy. What? Check it out. I'll see it. I saw <laughs> it's got it was Rebecca on in it, Netflix. Yeah. So. Uh... Um, yeah, he. Uh, in my opinion, he's he's lost his mojo since uh, the last one I really liked was Tenebrae. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. There's, opera has its moments, and Phenomena definitely has some good moments. But uh, I think. Um, Dario Nicolodi deserves a lot of credit for things like coming up with the kind of more fairy tale things they went with in like Suspiria and Inferno. Yeah, didn't he use uh, his girlfriend's dream? Yeah, a dream journal or something to kind of come <laughs> up with these things. Or she, I don't know if she wrote them down, but yeah, I mean, he had an amazing run in the seventies, but yeah, I've I've not really been too keen on recent stuff. Well, I think that as far as easing somebody into the genre and, and not just putting them off of it right away, Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. when I went and saw this when it came out, I was sitting in the theater seat and I thought, you know, as corny as these words sound, I thought, this is already a classic. This is an instant classic. I know this is going to be a big one. This is amazing. Yeah. Went and saw it. I usually don't go see things twice in the theater unless they're really impressive. And I went and saw it twice. Um it's perfect. It's it's true to the source material of being a zombie movie. Yeah, it's, it's a good one to start with because you can say, well, if you like this, then check out Romero right. zombie films. And... Yeah, and if nothing else, they got through it with a lot of comedy. Um, some interesting stuff about that film, uh, you know, the, all the dialogue gets used twice. All the significant dialogue gets used twice. Every good line in the movie, you will hear it two times <laughs> in two totally different contexts. Uh, which I think is a lot of fun. I think you noticed that on your second, maybe third viewing. Uh, and Will and I were talking about some funny things about movies where something pops back up later in the film. I noticed when Sean is in the electronics store and he's talking to the employees, kind of sort of taking charge because the boss is out sick. Obviously, he's been bitten by a zombie. Uh, the phone of one of the young guys who works in the store, this guy Noel, his phone rings and there's a voice on the other end. I figured out after about the fourth or fifth viewing that that was, that was Sean's roommate, <laughs> Call, yeah, Ed, calling uh, him to tell him he does or doesn't have some weed. And then you, later you see Ed's phone ring and you hear him say, Hello, mate. He's talking to Noel. It's totally like that close to home and Sean doesn't even know it. He's completely unaware. But so there's some cute little things like that and a lot of little Easter eggs for horror fans, uh, lines from horror movies, um, zombie movies specifically, like We're Coming to Get You, Barbara, mm-hmm. uh, which is straight out of Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. So that, some pretty cool stuff. A lot of it I'm not thinking to mention, but I think that's a good 
a good starter for anybody who wants to check it out and say, all right, what's this horror movie all about? Or this horror movie stuff, what's it? What's this going to do for me? And that would entertain them, make them laugh. But really scary, really visually gruesome stuff going on in the movie too. So it's tempered with a lot of humor, but that stuff is true to the zombie movie genre, I think. Subgenre. Night of the Living Dead would probably be a pretty good recommendation. That's on my list too. I heard this week they found deleted scenes mm. from that. I film didn't hear that. That they thought were lost. Um, I guess they're restoring them. Um, there's some talk of maybe uh, Romero getting copyright back. Yeah, that would if be good he for him. These, you know. Yeah, he'd be um, the only yeah. one with the version that would have them if yeah. he, if he's in possession of those deleted or those missing scenes that movie funny you should mention that one um that's the one that they always play in the background of other movies because public yeah public domain domain. and it i think it's made people more aware of it than it might be otherwise because i know a lot of networks wouldn't show it without heavily editing the movie um but people do have memories of that one growing up too i'm sure roger ebert has a great review of Night of the Living Dead. It's online. If you look it up, it's he he calls it. You know, basically, it's it's the downfall of movies. There, it's, it was too far. <laughs> They've gone too far. No. Oh, he just needed okay, to wait a few years. Guy who wrote Super Vixens. Or... I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, another one on your list, Will? Um, I remember when I was a kid, like the horror movies that were on TV. Uh, BBC Two would, would have like a late Saturday night sometimes. They'd uh, put in a black and white and then a colour one. So it would mm-hmm. be, uh, the colour one would be something by Hammer or Amicus. And then the the black and white one would be something from the 30s, 40s, 50s. And uh, so uh, uh, at first my dad would let me watch the black and white one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually I got to see the, the, the colour one, of course, with the, the red blood and things. Uh, that, that was a... Yeah, kind of good way of easing you in. I don't know if... Uh, I have not seen any of the Hammer horror films in so long. Uh, although I did watch one recently. Uh, in tribute to Christopher Lee passing. Yeah, yeah, something about Town of the Dead or... I don't remember. I have one that Jolien gave me that has um, Taste the Blood of Dracula mm. on it. It's a two-movie disc and... Uh, that was the paint can. Um, there was a two movie disc that had that one on it, and I had I had watched that probably the day after I found out about Christopher Lee dying. And it was really interesting, like you mentioned, the, the crazy red color of the blood. Well, yeah, my dad remembers the uh, being in the theater watching the first Dracula, and uh, you just hadn't seen red blood on screen ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it starts right off with this. Blood dripping down on his coffin, you know, his customized coffin with his own name on it. Um, <laughs> his monogrammed coffin. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was really shocking at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you take a movie in its day, in context, I mean, and respect is due, I think, to any filmmaker who's who's made a good film in its time without people being snobs and laughing at it later, like, oh, that was so campy and corny and ridiculous and you know if it was serious in its time good on them for making it you know like i some stuff doesn't hold up in a certain way or another i don't like those people yeah (laughs) we don't hang with them i mean we can make fun of the car 
but you know, respect to uh, you know stuff that was actually good. <laughs> oh yeah, there were parts of the film I enjoyed. Well, sure. Yeah. You know, they did a good job on on uh, sort of showing the car um, lurking about, like you'd see the top of it over a dune somewhere. Yeah. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention this earlier. Why would Satan want turn signals on his car? Is he going to really give you the courtesy of, of signaling That's a turn? Good question. He's going to fake you out. Yeah, just throw a right and turn a left, right? <laughs> so that um, before we get too far off track, um, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing would be on my list. Because easing someone into the idea of horror... Now, I think of it more as... That one's pretty strong stuff, though. Yeah. But it doesn't... I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, there's no demonic possession. Um, it's sort of got the sci-fi angle of this thing being from another world. Um, yeah, there's a lot of gore. You know, you could watch it. Yeah, that would be my, my only drawback. Maybe the gore would be over the top for some. You would just have to caution your novice, uh, you know, it's all make-believe. Don't worry. It's It's all real. (laughs) This really happened. They split a dog open. Nauseating. It's not just gore. You know, I I can watch buckets of blood being thrown around, but it's the the concepts and the uh, what it's what it may be doing inside the other people and right. uh, I find that one pretty intense. It it is. I think I'd start someone off from that. I wonder if one of the creep shows would not be a good film to start. Yeah, an anthology like Creep Show or Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. I remember Creep Show having some pretty creepy stories in it. But But it's got a lot of familiar faces in Mm -hmm. there. So you've got Leslie Nielsen. and A little bit of humor. Um, They're not too over the top or anything. Yeah, because it's done that EC style, so it Mm -hmm. kind of laughs at itself. Yeah. But I, I'm still early. creeped out about the the kids on the floating <coughs> oh, dock the there too, and the yeah. creatures in the water and they can't get out. <laughs> that one still freaks me out to this day. Yes, that was that was the highlight of that that one. Yeah, maybe we should do that one for the sequel. Yeah, maybe we should watch Creep Show too. Creep it's not a bad idea. A good anthology. Why not? So another one from your list, Will? Because um, I know maybe I was heavy-handed with John Carpenter's The Thing. But, I, you know, I, I didn't say the let's... The Fog would be a good one. Which, the which one? one? The Fog. The fog. Uh, the fog. I'm not saying we need to handle somebody who wants to get into horror, you know, gently. Yeah, right? yeah. Halloween. No, I understand. We don't want to... I was going to recommend Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, is on my list, too. You know... So atmospheric. Uh, I watched it, and I mean, it's probably been a year since I've watched it. Um, it was a lot slower than I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember Halloween being super scary when I was a kid. And I think now that was mostly uh, just reputation. I had heard so much about it being scary that, uh, that I, I think, think that the film with... itself really spooked me. Yeah, that, that, <clears throat> a lot of those movies, the reputation precedes them. Schoolyard stuff, people talking yeah. about it. Yes. It would be nice if the stuff really held up to the hype, you know. Yeah, but on, uh, you know, when you're a kid in England, all these the films that were banned, uh, you'd always have some kid boasting about having seen it, and uh, and they come up with this story which is completely bogus, and they they say, oh yeah, and I know I've got a friend of a friend who went mad. Seeing, <laughs> seeing cannibal ferox or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's in the local asylum now. Oh man! I had my cousin uh, 
who is a fellow horror fan, uh, describe the first Child's Play movie to me, scene by scene, right. after he'd seen it. And I enjoy his retelling more than actually watching the movie. Yes, yes. I remember his retelling was so awesome. And when I finally saw the film, it was it was still good, but it was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, um, I, I had a neighbor from across the street used to come up with completely bogus plots of films he, he claimed to have seen because he was old enough and he came up with this plot for the omen which was amazing uh, i'm not going to tell you it because you know it might make a movie someday but. yeah you, you want to copyright that <laughs> yeah, first it was awesome. oh and uh i was wondering this is gonna throw us off track again but that's fine i was thinking of killer car movies sure I seem to remember seeing a killer car movie with a black car like this that was killing mobsters. It oh. took place in a city, and at the end they crushed the car in like a big, you know, then, hydraulic press. And then like the rearview mirror kind of bent a little bit. It was kind of like the last gasp, uh, indicating possible sequel. This sounds familiar. I don't remember that, but I seem to remember, yeah, some... Somehow mobsters killed the wrong person. They possessed a car. I don't know. Anybody remember this, or am I totally making this up? And if I am, well, I want to. Let me go back. To, let me go back to my notes here and see if I've got. Because uh, I tried to look up uh, where the hell movies like that. Uh, none of the killer car movies I found were killer car mobsters. Yeah, that's what I punched in, and I was like, no, nope, um, nothing. About what year would this have been? I would have said this would be late 70s early 80s i really thought that was the car <clears throat> there's one um, called the hearse which is yeah, it's not a, that one. okay no it's not that one <laughs> um there was a 1983 movie made up of four separate story segments this is called nightmares the third now this this wouldn't be it the third was called the benediction featuring a traveling priest attacked on the highway by a demonic four by four I heard there's a movie coming out called Hybrid, or about Hybrid. It's a car, killer car movie. Um, super battery, I guess. Super Hybrid is a 2011 film about a shape-shifting monster that transforms into cars. Okay, maybe that was it. I should have just called it Transform. No, wait, never mind. <laughs> oh, so I don't see it on this list. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about it, so I think I made it up. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. We're, we're going to have to dig a little deeper on that one. But, uh, yeah, or if a listener knows what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Please let me know. Okay, so what else on your list, Julian? For um, recommendations? To, to recommend to horror fans to get into the genre. To get them started? Yeah. Oh, um, I, I don't know. Well, we mentioned, um, we mentioned The Omen. You think that's a little heavy? No, I think The Omen would be a good one. I was, I was trying to think of who this person would be that we're getting into. Getting into Somebody really and, sheltered, I would think, if they made, yeah. it, if they made it to the if age. If they're that sheltered, then I'd worry about dropping them in the deep end. You know? or, or, on the other hand, boring them with something that was not strong enough. Well, how about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. Definitely. No? First yeah. one, right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. That was another movie that the reputation was way stronger. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie itself is is good. I enjoyed that movie, but it was one that I wasn't, I wasn't ever able to see until probably college. Uh -huh. And 
once I finally saw it, it was not as so the, horrifying. Was one of legend in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I had friends tell me all these things that happened in this movie that don't actually happen. Uh, Psycho might be a good one. Psycho, yeah. Um, it doesn't get much better. Well, it doesn't get any better than Alfred Hitchcock directing a film. Mm-hmm. And the, the acting, everything is great on that film. Um it's funny that you don't notice it the first time or two that you watch the movie, that it's all strings and no other instruments, mm-hmm. uh, the way that movie is scored. Um, you know, it, it's very much of its day as far as how it looks, you know, in the 60s. Um, and that movie actually had the opposite reaction. That was one huge reputation. The movie was still blew me away. I was still, mm-hmm. still amazed yeah. when I finally did sit down and watch it all the way through but you were surprised that it didn't drive you insane having watched it no <laughs> or any more insane <laughs> yeah alien i think definitely but i know someone who was taken one. to see alien by her brother and after that she's not seen a horror movie since see wow too heavy too ruins scary. it for some people was she like seven years old or something though uh, she was in her teens i think okay well, no. you should be ready for whatever by age 13, 15, whatever. What about the Chucky movies? What about the child play, Child's Play movies? I'm just not keen in them, so I wouldn't... Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're scary. I think they're goofier than anything. Uh, they were part of that whole... In the 80s, horror, slasher films got a lot of dark comedy in them, mm-hmm. which really appealed to me as a kid. Uh, Freddy Krueger was the funniest person out there. Um, I don't know what else I would recommend. Well, how about uh, The Shining? Is... I Yeah, The Shining would be good. So if I knew this person was into good filmmaking. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'd be, I'd go with Kubrick and Hitchcock and Carpenter. And... Yeah. Yeah, the, the heavy hitters, the big um, ones. If they wanted to see something really outrageous, bizarre uh something that they unlike anything they'd seen before that would dazzle them and think oh i want to see more of this stuff then go with argento and uh cronenberg for the i was gonna say uh how about eraser head and the fly (laughs) double feature there yeah that's that's what we do with the all-nighters so we'd, we'd start off with something like halloween and then Suspiria, and then uh, once people were falling asleep on the couches, uh, we'd put on a razor head, and then the next day, people would be saying, oh, "I had this weird dream. There was this wailing baby." <laughs> I yes, I saw a razor head. Uh, I've only seen it once, and I saw it when I was about ten or eleven. Mm. Um, and I hold on to it. Just I don't really want to see it again because it's gotten such a dream quality yes. not that not that the film itself doesn't have a very dream like quality something lynch is not afraid to do no for sure i mean he can he goes straight to the surreal without even you know hesitating at all yeah i would say to get somebody into movies that are just bizarre there's a whole list of david lynch films that will do that mm-hmm. and that could sort of steer you toward being okay with horror once you've watched things like Blue Velvet and um, Mulholland Drive and, oh, what was that? Empire, um, no, Inland Empire. 
a few other ones. Wild some at heart. Wild at heart. Yeah, there's just some bizarre stuff that he does that, um, and we need to have a whole discussion sometime about uh, what is horror because I don't regard Jaws as a horror movie. I think of it more like a thriller. And there are people like, no, no, that's my one of my top horror movies. Um, there, there's a conversation to be had there, and and I really don't. I don't like hearing it usually, but I think we're probably the right people to have this conversation. But what is a creature feature and what is horror are two conversations I hear that are generally annoying. So we should annoy our listeners by having that conversation, <laughs> those two conversations. That sounds good. Um, so, yeah, that I think those are some good suggestions for anybody wanting to get into it. Um, anything coming out on DVD or Blu-ray that you two are looking forward to? Anything on video on demand? I'm still waiting for the Blu-rays to... I've got an order for um, uh, Criterion's put out editions of uh, The Brood and Quidam. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to them. Well, I'm buying something old next chance I get, which is going to be the um, the Legacy, the Universal Studios um, Monsters Legacy Collection. Um, I'm going to get the Wolfman next i have uh that and creature from the black lagoon left to buy what i'm looking forward to in um video on demand i because i just found out that it went right to video on demand is um tales of halloween so with william chapman yes <laughs> oh is that christmas one um no this is the tales of halloween is is the anthology it's 10 stories based okay based on and around halloween mm. And uh, that is available now, I found out, by scrolling through stuff on demand on Comcast cable. So you can rent it for five or six bucks, whatever it is. So I'll probably watch that tonight. It's going to be a fun one. Um, One of the uh, actors, well, there's a couple of them that I just glanced looking at this thing. Dana Gould, who's a comedian who loves Halloween, he's going to be in it. Um, Sean Clark, who manages a lot of celebrities for convention appearances, and has his own thing called uh, Horrors Hallowed Grounds, where he goes and visits filming locations. Yes, I've seen it. It's great, and I've, I've actually... Features and some DVDs, haven't they? Yeah, and, and he's, yeah, he's done some features about um, Halloween. He's really quite an expert and really nice guy. <coughs> Bless you. I've met him at a couple of conventions, and he's, he's super nice. And he's always very busy, but he'll take a moment when he has one to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, I think I saw the one he did for The Fog. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I saw the one he did for Halloween 2 and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and a couple others I can't think of, but he does a great job. He's, he researches really well, and he, <laughs> he will go to any measure to find out where that alley is or where that <laughs> house is. And uh, he told me a couple of things about Elm Street, the Freddy Krueger alley scene, what he had to do to find that. But he found it. It's kind of cool. He had to look at the last few letters on a street sign and then look at a map and try and figure out where could this be, what mm-hmm. what ends in those letters, and is a lane or a circle or a drive or whatever it was. But pretty cool. A lot of fun to watch. But he's in it, which is not surprising because he's the right guy for something like that. Um, I might check that out. Yeah, it, it looks like a cool anthology. So I'm looking forward to that. Will, you got anything coming up that you're looking forward to? Other than seeing uh, 1922 Nosferatu on the mm-hmm. big screen on the, big on screen. the 28th. Yep. Uh, nothing really. At Denver's very own Esquire Theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. two and seven. 
just to get in. But oh, do they give you a beer or anything? No, but they have a live band. Oh, right on. So yeah, yeah I went to a showing of uh, Phantom of the Opera, the Lon Chaney. Oh, nice. With a live organ accompaniment. Oh, very nice. Yeah. They, uh, they had they had a showing of Nosferatu in London, which I missed. I always <coughs> regretted. Mm. Which is Nosferatu with live uh, music by Aphex Twin. Oh, that would have been so See, cool. See, that's kind yeah. of what they did here. They have kind of a electronica sort of band playing. They did a great job last time. Mm. I can't get enough of that film. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the best. And there you have it. Another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. Please look for us on iTunes and subscribe. That's the best way you can help us get seen. Rate, review, subscribe. But it really is the biggest way for us to grow as a podcast. I do again want to thank the Moonrays for intro creature features at the top of the show. But also we're going to outro with a song from the Ghouls Go West album 2004. A little something called Little Green Men I think you're going to really enjoy. You can find out more about them at themoon-rays.com or look for them on Amazon. Next week, we're going to be doing a new segment called Original Versus Remake. We are going to watch the original 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween and see how that stacks up against the 2007 Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Should be exciting. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening.